0: This is our third of the series on faithful servants, faithful servants. And we have talked about Paul. We've talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Amedigo, We've talked about Daniel, and we're going to continue on Daniel because it is out of the book of Daniel that we're speaking, and um, we have talked about different things, that Daniel as a youth, as a, as a youth, and people think maybe between the ages of 12 and 15 years that he was uh, captured and, and with, uh, with the three other guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar wanted young people, the most qualified young people from Judah to come over, and so they did. And there was a lot of indoctrination taking place and, and, and these type of things, um, even the language and the names were changed. And, um, and so you, you, we found that Daniel was faithful, that God, that he had a great connection with God even then because he, he interpreted dreams that Nebuchadnezzar had had um, and saved many lives that way because all the wise men of Babylon were going to be uh, killed by Nebuchadnezzar if they could not tell him, remind him of the dream that he'd had. And explain to him what a dream means. So then, God gave Daniel uh, uh, ability to uh, remember the dream and to interpret it on and on and on. So then we we got to King Belshazzar, who then arrived on the scene, and um, we we saw that he 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 did some bad things. He the vessels that were taken from the temple at the captivity of of, of Judah um, that were brought brought into Babylon, they were used to drink wine and to praise the gods of uh, gold, silver, bronze, iron, stone, and wood with the vessels of the temple of God. And then God wrote something on the wall. And so Belshazzar wanted to... the, the, his wise men, to interpret what was written on the wall. Uh, they couldn't do it. And then the queen remembered that there was a guy named Daniel. Bring Daniel on the scene, and he will interpret it for you, what was written on the wall. Um, and so then we uh, uh, we have the idea that B- Belshazzar came. Uh, Daniel was brought in. Belshazzar adr- addressed him and, and said to him that, if he would interpret the the handwriting, that such and such was going to be given to him. And uh, uh, Daniel basically told him, keep your stuff, give it to somebody else. And then Daniel addressed King Belshazzar. And he addressed him and talked to him about the fact that Nebuchadnezzar, which the the, the New Testament, the the King James Version talks about his father, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, but some scholars think it was actually the grandfather. Uh, Neither here nor there. It doesn't really matter, uh, but the the King James addresses it as as father. And then Daniel is now addressing Belshazzar concerning Nebuchadnezzar. Okay? That's where we are. We have talked about it a little bit, so we're going to go through that a a little bit on the fair side. Then we go into King Darius, uh, who then uh, uh, appeared on the scene after Belshazzar. So... um, so, now when uh, Daniel is addressing Belshazzar concerning Nebuchadnezzar, he is explaining that to Belshazzar that Nebuchadnezzar was one arrogant, proudful dude, proudful king. And that because of his pride and the things that he, that he did, then God humbled him. Because now Nebuchadnezzar had people, uh, by law, um, worship him, bow to him and worship him. No one, no one, no one can take God's place. Don't even try. It will just cause you problems. Uh, So then God told Nebuchadnezzar that for a period of time, until he could come to the place where he knew that God Almighty rules over everything. Till then, he was going to eat grass. And I explained to you, when an, an, like an oxen, but it was not exactly like an oxen, because when an oxen eats grass, he stands up and he eats. When a human being eats grass, he has to get on his knees to eat grass. Uh, an extra humility. Uh, to, to be on your knees and eat grass and that the, the dew of heaven would be on him. There was no way to dry him off. There was always a dew and he would even have wings and he would have claws like an eagle. My dear brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you with all that is in me, never to be proud before God. Now, you might have a proudful a proud streak. Okay, that you, you did something and people are really uh, um, uh, admiring you and they are congratulating you and they're telling you what a great job you did. Don't let it get to your head. And many times we're not doing people a favor by admiring them too much because we're all prone to pride. This flash thing over here is cocky. And if we're not careful, we'll fall into an arena, an area of pride. Don't go there. When you find yourself, go, stop yourself and humble yourself before God. So, often, I'm not a great preacher or anything like that, but when I speak at places, people often say, what a great message, blah, 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 blah. And I say, thank God, all glory to God. I don't want any of that stuff because I don't want worms and I don't want to eat grass. And I don't want take any of the glory of god we're all prone to that okay so we have to work at it this is the the flesh is always at work trying to counter the things of god so it always wants to stick up its cocky head and and want to take the glory don't allow it cut it off and so um, then daniel goes on with his story and he says that this is what happened to your father, Nebuchadnezzar. But he says to him, but you did not learn. You did not learn from it. You knew it, and you did not learn from it. And therefore, this such and such is going to happen to you. God wrote you a nice little handwriting on the wall. His own hand, he wrote something on the wall. For you to get the message what is going to happen. And. um, He talks to Belshazzar. It seems to me. That God wants us. To learn lessons. That have happened to other people that we know of. He wants us to learn from that and not do it. And many people have the idea that they want to do it anyways. Because you know what? I am different than you. It's not going to happen to me. <laughs> or they say something like, stupid like this. I want to find out for myself. Well, if I tell you that if you lay down on a railroad track and the train comes, it's going to kill you. Do you want to find that out for yourself also? So listen to what has happened to other people and learn. I want to say that in particular to the young people. Listen, I have been where you are now. Right, I'm 71 years old, so I'm a lot older than you are, and I've been there. So, and I was one of those cocky youths. You, you're not more cocky than I was. I'm telling you for sure. I was one cocky dude, and I couldn't help it for, for, for many different reasons. I've shared some of that before, but I don't have to go into it. Especially young people, you have to guard yourself against this, that you can learn from what adults are telling you, And I'm not scolding you in any ways. I love you like crazy. You have no idea how much I love you young people. I promise you, you have no idea. Uh, (laughs) Amen. I thank you. I I thank that. I thank that. Yes. So I'm just saying this because I care about you. I don't want you to have to come to a place of eating grass. Know how embarrassing that is? and having wings, and having claws. I see some people on television that advertise stuff, and some of them have claws, but uh, anyways, neither here nor there, but uh, so that, that is where I'm coming from, young people, that I want you to do, do well before God, and your life to be a shining light for God wherever you go. And pride just smashes the whole thing. So be careful, be careful, and learn from other people's lessons. So, and then uh, then Daniel is going to interpret the, the handwriting. And the handwriting was like, M-E-N-E, mene, mene, tackle, u, O furnace. Did I say it right? Ufarsin, ufarsin. Okay, Mene Mene Tackle U Farsin. You have to you remember all these things. I, I hate to run to my notes too quick. But, um, and Mene and, Mene and means uh, that uh, your days are numbered. Mene Mene, the second Mene is just for emphasis. It means your days are numbered. The Tackle means, uh, has the idea of weight, that you have been weighed. And you have not uh, been sufficient. You have been lacking. Uh, and so, and then the, the, the last part, said, the little word "u" is the word and in, in English, you and me. And uh, farness has the idea, is the plural of "peris," And "peris" means that your kingdom is divided. And he goes on to say that tonight you will, you will die. And that night, Belshazzar is killed, is dead. And the Medes and the Persians took over the kingdom. And now we are with King Darius being the king. Um, This pride thing is really a heavy deal, brothers and sisters. Uh, we have to be really careful with it. So now, King Darius. His government, I'm going to give you an outline real quick about, about the sixth chapter. Hopefully, we'll, we'll, we'll get through it. This is the outline that I have on, on the sixth chapter. Other people have maybe other emphases, so they outline it a little bit differently. But, and that's cool. That's fine. So point one is Darius' government, verses 1 through 3. The second point is the leadership sets trap for Daniel. The king signs the decree, verses 4 through 9. We'll go over that. Thirdly, Daniel prays as was his custom, knowing what was at stake, verses 10 through 15. The fourth point, Daniel is in the lion's den, no hurt, verses 16 through 23. Point five is Daniel's accusers are in the lion's den. Verse 24. The sixth point, Darius uh, writes a, a new decree honoring Daniel. Does it Daniel? I mean Darius writes a new decree honoring Daniel's God. Verses 25 to 28 and changes all the laws in the land. This is so incredible to me because of the fact that, that um, so often we think that we are helpless as one person. Yes? Do you have ever had that feeling? Yes? Anybody? Like, oh, I'm just one person. What difference can I make? I'm just one person. What difference can I make? Now, you had Paul made a difference even when he was in prison. We talked about that a little bit, and he found just a, a whole new way was revealed to him uh, concerning expanding the kingdom of God. When his followers, Paul's followers, call them disciples, if you will, those who were under his teaching, they thought that Paul, you know, that was the end of his ministry now. He's in prison. And Paul writes back to them and says, hey, not, nothing like that. Actually, me being in prison has worked out well for the kingdom of God. I found out a whole... I was revealed a whole new way of reaching people. Then we saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stood up, and they were faithful to God. There they they were three. And then Daniel. And there have been numerous guys in the scriptures that were onesies that made a huge difference for God. So if you... A onesie, and you think that you cannot make a difference f- for God? Wrong. Just remember this: that you and God, you're a majority, and God wants to use you, and He will use you. And God is quite able and quite capable of doing what He wants done through you. <laughs> through me. God is so capable that he can even do it through me. <laughs> he has to be pretty capable to do that, to do that through me. Um, but he's, he's willing and, and he, he, he has designed it in his economy. He has designed it that way that he was going to work through people, right? He can take over Satan's kingdom just like that, boom, right? He's God. This is not a problem for him. But he hasn't designed it that way. He has designed it such That his children are going to expand his kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. God wants his kingdom to come to the earth. And he wants us to ask for it. Because he wants to use us to do it. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth. As it is in heaven, if his will is going to be done on earth, it is because his children are obedient. If they are not obedient, his kingdom doesn't come. Or let me put it this way, if if this fits you better. His kingdom won't be visible. It is an invisible kingdom till his children become obedient. That is what makes it visible. Are you with me? It It is a spiritual kingdom, so it is not visible. So when we, when I love my wife like Christ loved the church, Christ is seen all of a sudden. It is the kingdom of God is at work over here. And it is visible to people. And it's obvious. So because this doesn't resemble the kingdom of the world at all. So uh, this is how God has designed it. And he wants to use every one of So how many people were there yesterday, sister, at the nursing home? About 30. About thirty, 29, 30, it doesn't matter, Thirty-one, twenty-eight. 28, about 30 people were there. About 30 people were blessed because one sister is obedient to the Lord. And she gathers and she talks and she visits, visits with me a little bit since I'm the pastor of the church. And then we tried to get a few other people to go, and I couldn't go because I had to do a memorial service. That's where I was ministering to bring hope and and. and, 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 and comfort to, to people through, through the Lord. And then there's a, a number of people are working here to do the remage, uh sale, quote-unquote, the, the rummage day thing. And they are working, and they are ministering to people that are coming in. And it is known that when the money comes in, it's not because this church wants money from the community. It's because we're getting a little bit from the community of, of the stuff that they pay very little for or stuff that they might need or that they themselves might sell. Not the problem for us but that the money is going to go back in the community, namely uh, Glen Oak Apartments. So this is what God is about. One lady, one man, one brother over there who takes the initiative of doing a a, a rummage sale. This is not easy. This is a lot of work. Well, no, no, no. I mean, yes. So... Uh, Teresa, she has worked at a, at a thrift store, so she's the expert in this thing, okay? He, he is the front man, maybe. The, the, the Teresa is sort of on the background, So, but they are a couple. They are working together. So when I say David, uh, automatically Teresa is included. Uh, maybe I should say Teresa and David is included. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you see what I'm trying to say is, folks, let me all come back to the young people. I'm not on your case. I'm just saying this, that everybody expects me to minister. I'm a pastor of a church, yes? It is expected from me. But are people typically expecting ministry from young people? No, they'll grow up a little bit, and then they'll minister. So what I'm trying to say to you is this, that if you would minister in the name of the Lord, you would get more uh, impact, if you will, than I can. Because they are not expecting it from you. You say, oh my gosh. How old are you, sister? How old are you? 17. She's 17 years old. Kayla's 17 years old. 17? And you're ministering to people like that? You show the love of Christ like that? Whoa! Wow! You'll convince some people. I won't convince as many people because it's expected from me. He's a pastor. He's supposed to do this. You see, so there is opportunity. God wants to use you. God wants to use you to make a difference in this world. And, and so He's already done it through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? He, uh, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, when He threw them in the fire and they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. Not a hair on their body was singed. No, Kabbalah Whoa! The, the, only the real God God can, de- de- can de- de- deliver people like that. He changed the laws in the land on that basis for three faithful guys, three faithful servants. We got a similar situation now with Daniel. Uh, so where are we? <laughs> Daniel. Okay, uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 1. Okay, I'm sorry, chapter 6. Chapter 6 in Daniel, if, if I, I, I fail to give you the uh, notes. So, chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And verse 2 is connected, 2 and 3. And over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. And then verse 3 says this. And then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an overarching spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So this is the scenario. You have in the the, uh, 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 old old King James, they are called uh, uh, presidents and princes. So he had 120 princes that were over the land. Over them were three presidents. And then over the three presidents was obviously Darius, the king, right? So the king, three presidents, 120 uh, princes, and then you had underneath them also counselors and captains, as we'll find out in a couple of verses. Are you with me? So now, of those three presidents, Daniel. Distinguished himself. He distinguished himself because he was faithful. He was faithful. And he was on the money with his administrative uh, work. N- never made, made mistakes, it seemed like. And, and um, he distinguished himself. And so what happened was the king planned to put Daniel over the whole kingdom. Now, let me ask you this. These were three presidents, right, that were under Darius. One of them was Daniel. If Daniel, if the, 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 the king uh, makes known that he's planning to promote Daniel to be over the whole kingdom, so he promotes them above the other presidents, the other two, yes. how do you think that what they will think about that? Pride got in their way. Jealousy, envy. They didn't want that. And remember, after all, Daniel was also a foreigner. I'm a foreigner. Not anymore. I'm a naturalized American, but uh, born a foreigner. So, um, so then they, they got jealous. And then they plan to trap Daniel. Right? They want to trap Daniel... In a mistake, but they can't because Daniel was faithful. They look, see if he makes a mistake, because if he makes a mistake, they'll report that to the king and office the promotion. But they can't find any mistake in him. <laughs> One says, You know, he is so faithful, we won't find any mistakes in his administrative work concerning the kingdom of of Darius. What we need to do is we need to go the religious route. Because Daniel is so faithful to his God. He will never give up what he was doing for his God. So if we can sway the king somehow to make a law that goes against the activities of Daniel for his God, we might just be able to catch him. Daniel was not going to give up anything concerning his God. I wonder sometimes, out there people say often, everybody has a price. For the right price, everybody will give up something. For the right price, they might do it. For the right money, they might do it. For some power, they might do it. For some fame, they might do it. What is your prize? Or do you have a prize? Sometimes you get tested. I got tested many years ago. Uh, In different ways, but in this particular way, we, we... we had a tennis club that we felt like we needed to not violate these Christian principles. Knowing full well that it was going to cause a tremendous stir because while we were having this tennis club and we fed popcorn to people, when we took away the popcorn, it was a revolution. <laughs> Why did we take away the popcorn? We had hired a new guy in the kitchen, and he said to us that we shouldn't have free popcorn over here for these people. They should buy stuff from the kitchen. If we give them free popcorn, how are they going to buy stuff from the kitchen? They're drinking their stuff, and, 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 uh, and, and they're eating free popcorn. Of course, they're not going to buy anything. So when we took away the popcorn, There was a revolution, and so I thought that when we are taking out the alcohol and some things, there'll be an exodus. No, some of the other guys may not not have known that, but I knew it because on the basis of the popcorn scenario. Um, So, but we didn't feel like God wanted us to serve alcohol. So what do you do? And so, there was an exodus, and ultimately, we lost the business. What is your price, my dear brothers and sisters? What does it take for you to push out God? For you to put Him on the back burner? For you to make Him plan two? Welcome back to Daniel. So, they... Proposed a plan to the king and said to the king, king, we want to propose a plan. We have visited with the other presidents. We have visited with the princes. We have visited with uh, the counselors and the captains. And we all agree on this plan that we are proposing to you right now. And the plan is this. For the next 30 days, if any person pray to a any God or any man than you, that you throw him in the lion's den. Well, <laughs> you know, kings are prideful people, so that sounded good to him. That they should pray to him. And not to any God or any other person. So, they signed that de- he signed that decree. And they reminded him that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians... That, that cannot be changed if the king signed on it. After the king signs, Daniel finds out about it. In the Dutch Bible, which is my first language, sometimes I go to the Dutch Bible to get a little bit different, to get a p- picture of what it says in Dutch, so I maybe understand it, maybe a little bit better. Uh, and the, in, the, in, in the Dutch Bible, it says that after the king signed it, so dra Daniel... Found that out. So dra means as soon as, as soon as Daniel found out that the king had signed this decree, he went to his room and prayed as was his custom. Remember Kaleen? Kaleen loves this phrase, as was his custom. Because he wasn't praying just every once in a while. It was a custom for him to pray three times a day. So, it was not the time for Daniel to be scared, to pray. It was the idea for Daniel to pray. (laughs) This is the time to pray. This is not the time to be scared. This is the time to go to my God and talk with him and visit with him. What's up? And he prayed. And predictably, the guys that proposed the plan... They were looking for Daniel to pray, right? And they walked into the room. Up. We got him. So they, don't, they go back to the king. They don't complain that Daniel prayed at first. They first reminded the king and asked him, King Darius, isn't it true that you signed a decree and that everybody that prays to man or to praise to a God other than you that that person would be thrown in the lion's den? Yes, says King Darius. Well, Daniel, he betrayed both you and the decree. So we think, since the, you signed the decree, and the law of the Medes and the Persians cannot be altered if you have signed it, we think that Daniel should go in the lion's den. The king all of a sudden realized what a bad mistake he had made. Because, remember, the king was impressed with Daniel. This was not a Nebuchadnezzar who might, in his wild rage, might be hateful or whatever. Uh, before God got a real a real hold of, of him. So, um, my mind just went back to Nebuchadnezzar. Um, but Darius really admired Daniel. So now that he realizes that he has been trapped by those guys that are in his government, he is upset with himself. Why did I do this? Why did I do this? Um, back up with me just a little bit, and let's go back to the scenario in Daniel's room when he's praying, because this week I was visiting with with Peter, and he was asking the question, "Well, how old was Daniel when he came to Babylon?" Well, ages between ages twelve and and fifteen. Some people think he was twelve. Some people think he was somewhere in between them. Some people think he was fifteen years old. As a youth, he came, and they tried to indoctrinate him any way that they could from the beginning. That was why Nebuchadnezzar sent for them to indoctrinate him so that they could work for him as the king in Babylon. So then the next question was, how do you think that Daniel stayed so committed to his God? How do you think? Well... Daniel prayed three times a day. Daniel stayed in touch. Daniel stayed connected with his God. Early on, when Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that he couldn't remember, let alone the interpretation of the dream, and his wise men couldn't interpret it and couldn't remember it, Daniel was the man. God gave him vision, God gave him understanding, God gave him light, God gave him wisdom. He was in connection with God. He was in connection with God. And so no wonder God did so many things on his behalf in him being in connection that excuse me. That of course, not only in Daniel's spirit, in Daniel's mind, but invisible, visible. visible action of God that God was working on his behalf. Y'all forgive me here for a second. Huh? Just a little bit. Um, so uh, where was I? Yeah. Yeah. So he stayed in church. So when he was an older man, this was not a difficult thing. He was in contact with God. And that was the best time he had of the day. Praying to his father. Visiting with his father. As a young man unsaved. With a father unsaved. I cherished every moment I got to visit with my father. Sometimes without saying a word. I was not saved. He was not saved. On Sunday morning, remember the old LPs? He would play Bach and Beethoven and Mozart and Handel and uh, Corelli and some of the Litz and some of those uh, composers, classical music. My father thought that they're going to have classical music in heaven or something. And so I would sit with them for hours In the living room. Nobody made a sound. This was classical music. When classical music is being played, everybody is quiet. Everybody is quiet. So I sat with my dad, just enjoying the music. I was with my dad. I loved my dad. I respected my dad more than any man that I've ever respected. He was not even a believer. I love spending time with him. So I can imagine Daniel wanting to spend time with his heavenly dad. Three times a day he got to do that. And so he was in connection with him. This was not a difficult thing for him to do. But now then the king knows that Daniel did this. The, the presidents and the princes and the counselors and the captain captains confronted King Darius that he he needs to be thrown into the lion's den. And it says that King Darius spent all day till the sun went down to find a way not to send Daniel to the lion's den. is that remarkable? And some people Interpret that as in, okay, how did he do that? How do you, what way can you prevent Daniel to go into the lion's den? What is, what is the way to do that? You can, you can charge the people and say, don't do it. But then you, you broke the laws of the Medes and the Persians, the very, very law that you're standing for. So huh? So well, yeah, yeah, that was not the idea. <laughs> well, that was a standpoint. Even if the if the lions were going to eat him, he had no problem with that. He was going to spend time with his father. Period. Period. That was not in question with Daniel. That would be in question with us, but not with Daniel. He was going to spend time with his, with his father. And so, the way well, we, there's a movie called Daniel, and the way the movie portrays it, and it, it is probably fairly accurate. It is not scriptural, but it is. It might be very accurate because the only way that he could, that the king uh, um, Darius could prevent Daniel to go into the, into the lion's den if, there, if his lawyers could find a law somewhere on the books of the Medes and the Persians that had a loophole, boom, that he could use. They couldn't find anything. So King Darius had to throw Daniel in the lion's den. The Bible says, He told Daniel, He says, Your God will probably deliver you from the lions. I hope He does. He retreats to his sleeping quarters and. The, the King James says he fasts. And it says that that night, no entertainment. You know, the kings, they had, they had all the power, so if want he, he wants some entertainment, he wants some guitarists to come and some flautists to come and make, make some music, woo, and he's entertained. No entertainment that night. And he had a sleepless night. He couldn't sleep. So that was convenient, because then he got up very early. He didn't sleep, so he could get up early. And he goes early to the lion's den, and he says, Daniel, Daniel, while he's on his way, Daniel, Daniel, has your God delivered you from the lions? And Daniel responds and says, O king, live forever. By God send an angel. And he stopped the mouths of the lions. And I have no hurt. Hallelujah. That's what, that's what Daniel, uh, uh, Darius did. The king did. Praise God. He didn't say praise God. But he, know, he didn't know the God, but he, he, he was getting acquainted with him. Uh, and so, Darius, the king, is, is very happy. And he gives orders for Daniel to be pulled out of the of the lions then, and they see, hey, no hurt at all, not even a scratch. If a lion just plays with you, you're dead. You know, he goes, ah, you're my friend. (laughs) If he just plays with you, you're dead. So the lions didn't even touch him. You know know how sometimes the lions play, they bite each other like this. (laughs) That would have killed Daniel if the lion just wanted to play with him. They didn't even come close. So there was not even a scratch on him. The king was glad. And then the king gave orders. To bring in those who had set this up. And their children. And their wives. There was 120 princes. Plus counselors and captains, two presidents, and their wives and their children, that was a lot of people. So when you see it in a the movie, there were two or three lions over there. There were not two or three lions over there. They were a bunch of lions, because it says in the Bible that when they were thrown into the lion's den, before they hit the floor, the lions crushed all their bones. So you can say, okay, well, maybe there were just three lions in there, and they threw them in one at a time, and then the, the bones were crushed. No, when the lion is busy with one and he's full, he doesn't bother anybody else. I've seen it with my own eyes. In a safari in, in, in Kenya, we came across a pride of lions. There must have been 12 or 13 of them. We almost drove over one of them. He was right down the road. The other ones were sort of on a big rock like this, just... You want to just go caress them on their belly a little bit. Scratch their belly a little bit. Yeah, you're wiser than that. You cannot even get out of your car. But when they're full, they are fairly harmless. They're full. Oh, oh, oh. But when they're hungry, they're not harmless. They're all be, all danger. All danger. So, um Then, that takes care of that. And then King Darius, who now has seen what the God of Daniel can do. He writes a decree to the country. And I want to read that decree to you. Visit with you for a couple more minutes, then I'm through. Would somebody read it, maybe? Since my eyes are Daniel 6... Verses 25 through 27. Who has a King James version? Go ahead, Lynn. You have it. You have it with, You have it there. Okay. Who has a King James version? Yeah, Brother bro- bro- Jay. S- chapter six, verses 25 through 27, 28. Let me as well finish uh, the chapter. Off. Nice and loud. Would you stand, Brother? So. Uh, Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever in his kingdom that which shall not and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius, and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Thank you. Thank you. As the word of the Lord. You see that because of this one faithful man, Daniel, that the king changed so much of the government of, the, of the, the, his, his kingdom. For, because of one man that was faithful. Faithful. So I want to encourage you to be faithful. No matter what. To your God. Was Daniel ready to die? He was ready to die. He, he knew what was coming. Full well. When he prayed. He knew full well what was coming. That he might die. There was no assurance. That God was going to save him from the lions. There have been other people who have been faithful. Who have been uh, punished. Uh, for their faith. Who. Who were not delivered. In the book of Hebrews, the whole 12th chapter, I the 11th chapter, the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews is full of that. People being delivered for the first two-thirds of the chapter. And in the last one-third of the chapter, it, it, it cost them dearly. They did not receive the promise of God right now. They were going to receive it later. somewhere. Uh, hiding in caves, some were sawn in two, some were hiding and 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 and, and being being uh, 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 tortured and and so on and so forth. And even in today's day, I picked up a book that we had there in the rummage thing that I want to keep for us. Uh, the book of um, well, yeah, martyrs. The book of martyrs. It's a book this thick, Boxes huh? Boxes yes. It's about this thick, about people who have suffered for their faith. This thick. It is not just a couple of people. A lot of people have suffered for their faith. And, you know, you just have to have a a stand that you're going to stand with God no matter what. And I just want to encourage you that way. Because. See. Here we speak of Daniel. I don't know how many centuries ago. Uh, We're speaking of Daniel. And when you read. And when I read. I am still encouraged. Every time I read Daniel. Are you encouraged? I'm tremendously encouraged. And so. Even that far ago, uh, he has an influence. Paul was killed for his faith. Daniel was not. He died later on. But uh, 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 Paul was killed for his faith. Peter. And and you you, you get so encouraged. And when you hear from present-day people like the Christians that were beheaded, you know, uh, uh, they think they can behead a Christian and be done with it. You're not done with it, my friend. God will never let one of his own. Die in vain. Never. So there is a ripple effect that follows when somebody dies like that for the kingdom's sake, for the king's sake, that there will be uh, a testimony all over the place, including their sons. Like I told you before, maybe you were not here, maybe you were over here. So I I repeat that just real quick again, that the, 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 the mothers, the widows of these Uh, Christian men who were beheaded, they kept pictures of their fathers, even of the beheading. And some of the women from the United States that went to minister to those widows, asked them, why do you want to save such a gruesome picture for your sons to see? Oh, we want our sons to know their father, that when it came to Jesus, it didn't matter what they did to them. They were... Standing up for Jesus. And we want our sons to know that so that they will also stand for Jesus no matter what. And so, you know, when I saw the beheading, they, they didn't show you the beheading, but you, you, they showed you what they looked like just before the beheading and so on and so forth. That I knew in my mind that God is going to get the glory of this anyways. Amen. That's how he works. So, since I have to die anyways, right, everything being equal, we're all going to die, unless the Lord returns before that. Then then I want to die and bring glory to God. Don't you want to die like that if you're going to die anyways? Why not? So, this is not about dying. This is about Standing, being faithful, a faithful servant to God. That is what this is about. That was the title of the series as we went through it. So let me finish. Let me finish. Let me go to my notes. Remember, when I started the book of Daniel, I told you it is apocalyptic writing. Right, God sends an apocalypse, which is an unveiling, which an apocalyptic writing is sort of like this, that God sends a writing or a message to his people when evil seems to dominate the land or the world. To have them see, to unveil to them, That things are not as they see it. Because in the end, righteousness will prevail. It is an encouragement to his people. Even though in the natural, things look horrible. But excuse me, who's in control anyways? He'll see to it that righteousness prevails. Kiss to you.